Hello, friends, and welcome to a fun little bonus episode of 30 Pop. I had the great pleasure of hopping on a Zoom call near the end of 2020, actually on Election Day 2020, with a couple of guys named David Osman and Phil Proctor. David and Phil were founding members of this four-person sort of comedy troupe that began in the late 60s and was really, really popular in the early 70s called Firesign Theater. And while that way predates most of what we talk about on this show, or actually everything that we talk about in this show, Firesign Theater was really influential on the whole comedy scene in the early 70s. And so I thought it would be really fun to hop on a call with them. I got connected to them through their publicist, Jeff, who's been a friend of the show for several months now. And when he mentioned they were releasing their first album in 35 years, I thought it would be really fun to sit down and talk to them prior to that and just sort of hear their whole story. Now, what was intended to be like a 15-minute interview turned into something much, much more fun. Dave and I were talking for a while, and about the time we were wrapping up our conversation, Phil hopped on, and we wound up diving even deeper into their history. It was very, very fun. But today, I'm only sharing with you the first part of that conversation. So this is my conversation with David Osmond, right up until the point that Phil shows up. And next week, I'm going to share the rest of the conversation with you. One thing to note, we recorded this a few weeks before their new album was going to release with the hopes of releasing this episode beforehand. And for a number of reasons, that wound up not happening. But I do still really want to share this conversation with you because it was so much fun. So anyway, here is the first part of my conversation with Firesign Theater. <laughs> David Osman, welcome to 30 Pop. So much fun to have you on today. I'm glad to be here. It's a blustery day outside. It's election day. No one knows what's going to happen yeah. here, there, or anywhere. So I'm glad to be right here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to have you on. So your publicist reached out to me. I've done some work with him in the past, and he told me all about Firesign Theater and about the record that y'all have coming out, I would love for you to tell my listeners, because it's been a while, so my folks may not recognize the name. Can you tell us about Firesign Theater? Sure. Firesign got together, believe it or not, over 50 years ago, uh, before there were any other social satirists. It was before, certainly way before Saturday Night Live. And we had the good fortune to be a pop act, just like a pop band, just like a rock band. We were one as far as Columbia Records was concerned. Hmm. So our first album came out in early in 1968 called Waiting for the Electrician or Someone Like Him. It was kind of an underground success. Then a year later, we had a kind of a hit with Nick Danger, Third Eye, a parody of those old-fashioned radio shows. We did come out, the four of us, came out of radio, started on radio, did a lot of radio shows, which leads me to... Dope humor of the 70s. Which is the title of the new record, right? This is the new album. It's a double album. We haven't had a real record album, 33 and a third, in 35 years. But we had, you know, like 15 before that. Records are wonderful. They're 12 mm -hmm. by 12. They have great covers. All kinds of stuff goes inside. So, but this is... Uh, the 21st century. So along with Dope Humor of the 70s from Stand Up Records, they are stand-up guys at Stand Up Records, there's also a download. So once you actually have the album, the wonderful physical album in your hands, you can look at it, then you can download another hour's worth of laughs and additional material. Uh, so we're very pleased. We're thankful to them and, that, and to our producer, uh, Taylor Jessen, who has 
for about 15 years now, been going through our archives and producing uh, complete shows. I mean, he's a completist. He's a real archivist. And what he has found, I had to laugh at this because 50 years ago, I uh, myself cut the tape together from the radio show. Really? We wow. Doing Dear Friends and Let's Eat, they were called on KPFK in Los Angeles. And they were syndicated. They were up in San Francisco as well. Finally on KMET. It was all the underground FM radio era. So I thought, wow, you know, here we are. We just produced these albums. They're 36 minutes long. Nobody's going to play them on the radio. Although there was a moment when people would play long cuts. But I thought, what about doing an album of short cuts? That was released in 1970s called Dear Friends. And it allowed us to get some airplay with two-minute cuts, three-minute cuts, funny commercials that were just taken off the air. A lot of improvs. Mm -hmm. I think what was most original about that show for us is that never before had anybody gotten on the radio with no script. And we came in, we agreed. No, no, We brought in scripts, but nobody had seen them beforehand. So it was a total improv. And uh, we learned how to do that fundamentally at the same time as we were writing record albums. So the radio shows for us were a way of, of uh, uh, developing material and catching the, the current wave because we were on live and then being able to transfer that into something that would hopefully last a long, long time. We've had a, it's been a great career. We started in, in the 60s and here in 2020, this double album is coming out. We also have another vast download of live show material. Mm. During, I call this the psychedelic era of the Fireside mm-hmm. Theater. It kind of really was. And we started, like any rock band, we had to go out there and perform. Mm-hmm. So our first album came out. We had to be on stage. And, and uh, uh, we played the Ashgrove in Los Angeles for many years, as just as like a rock band. But we played it with uh, old blues guys. Because we had a little set and we said, can we just have, you know, one, so, some, a single act? And we, Taj Mahal, and I mean, we had these great acts that we were working with. Uh, and we did live theater, the Fire Sign Theater. We were really considered ourselves a theatrical group. Okay. And so on stage we were. And uh, a vast amount of material from that psychedelic era, radio, live stage. It's all there 50 years later. Aren't we lucky? Yeah. So tell me about the entertainment industry has changed so drastically from the time you started to where it is today. You mentioned your first record was sort of an underground success and the second one was a hit. Give me some context around that. Like what would be considered an underground success then and what would be considered a hit then? Wow. Well, you know, believe it or not, I was reading the charts in, you know, the sales charts. A hit was, are you in the hot 100? Mm-hmm. You know, are you just like, just like top 40, same, same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we, I don't know, we got up the third album, which was called Don't Crush That Dwarf, Hand Me the Pliers. That was really a big sales success. And we moved on from there to Carnegie Hall. We got wow. out of, you know, we got out of the folk clubs and started to do big shows, college shows and like that. The era, you have to remember, the 70s really started in 1972 when Richard Nixon okay. got elected for the second time. So our political enemy, Bette Noir, if you like, was Nixon. We had a lot of fun with Richard Nixon. I mean, he was going to talk like this and wave his fingers. All American politicians are funny. Maybe all politicians are funny. So 
it was a time, you know, the, say the 60s were over in 69 with Altamont and all of that. No, I think the 60s lasted until 72. And then with Nixon's second, uh, with his big election, then he was impeached. And, you know, the, that was kind of a, a, a game changer. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the industry changed for us. We were no longer a happy, successful rock band. We had to go out and sell half a million records. Wow. On the first day, bingo. You know, so we couldn't possibly do that. We had a year-to-year contract with Columbia. Couldn't have liked them more. But finally, that came to an end. And so in the mid-70s, we had to pick up our career. What's next? And as I tell, you know, young people who are going into, quote, the industry or show business or want to be an artist, expect a good five years. And then expect another five years that you got to come up with. Because, you know, even a successful career has to be renewed constantly. Why do you think wonderful stars are making television shows that they don't need to make? They got to work. You got to work, not just for the money, but because it's your art, it's your craft. So what is the work? I'm always impressed with folks who can do improvised comedy, I think are underappreciated in that you have to be so in touch with what's happening, especially if there's any sort of social or political commentary involved in what you're doing. You have to be in touch with kind of everything that's happening and what the hot buttons are that you should hit, which ones you shouldn't hit. I'm just curious, like, is that the work? What is the work when you're not on stage? performing improvised comedy or on the radio in the case or on the radio. Of, yeah. In, in front of, of an audience, humor. one way or the other, this yeah. is all radio, but we would, uh, um, radio basically for us was developing short pieces that then could be made into either a stage show by assembling those pieces or ultimately into a record album, a whole, as I say, 36 minute story that process four guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are four guys writing. There are four guys acting, four guys directing. We never had a team leader, you know. Wow. Uh, our other two members uh, who passed away were the Peter Bergman, who's the smartest guy I ever met, and uh, Phil Austin, who is the most surreal writer that I ever met. We brought in four different kinds of energy and talent that collided, and that's what you'll hear in this album. You'll hear those energies uh, coming in and colliding with one another, and suddenly there's a spark, and something happens. We also, in the week before we did the radio show, we would be writing together if we were making an album. And that was a process of slow, slow writing, just like, you know, the, the Library of Congress called us the Beatles of Comedy. Wow. And it was a really sweet compliment. And and our collection, our archive is in the Library of Congress. And we think there's vengeance <laughs> on this government we've had so much fun with all of these years, making fun of the Library of Congress. So the process was what was important to us over, uh, in, especially in writing an album, which we hoped would last forever. You know, mm-hmm. so what what you hear in Dopeumor of the 70s is basically the process of developing writing material, getting laughs, playing with each other. Sometimes, you know, uh, oh, and I have to uh, mention our engineer, who is the fifth crazy guy, the live Earl Jive. The live Earl Jive would just drop in a sound effect. Suddenly, there's a railroad train coming through. Hi, boys. You know, so we would have to play 
with him as well. Mm. Or we'd throw him a signal and he'd put us on echo. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. so it was brand new. And for us, it was a brand new thing. And uh, and no one ever really could do it afterwards. There were a few people, a couple or three groups in the early 70s who saw what we were doing and said, oh, we'd like to do that, too. But they, we had the advantage of having that contract with mm. Columbia. Everybody else had to, you know, uh, hustle, uh, manufacture, hustle, do all of that, and do a lot of onstage work. This is well before, you know, stand-ups were, were just guys on stools. Mm-hmm. Before this, stand-up really came after the Firesign Theater and the big stage shows, the big kind of almost theatrical rock and roll shows, you know, fully costumed sets, whole thing. So uh, it was it was uh, um, 50 years later. I look back at, you, you know, this show is a, look at it, 30 years, 50 years later is like a long time back. I know it is. Mm-hmm. But this is the real stuff. Just like somebody said, uh, you know, it, it was terrible times, but we had better music then. Mm. Well, it was it's terrible times, but we had better laughs then. Hmm. I guarantee you that you're going to laugh your way through these. These, uh, And just privately, I have to say that some of these cuts I wouldn't have released on a Columbia record album. Oh, my, my. So it's uh, but it was on the radio. You know, it's all radio material. So all I can say is I hope you voted. I did. And, and uh, stand up records. Check them out. Dope humor of the 70s. You can always go to firesigntheater.com. It's got all of that. And there are surprises embedded everywhere. I'm glad to say that we can still surprise you with, uh, with you know, things you've never heard, things that will make you laugh. And, you know. I got one last question for you. Dope humor of the 70s. Tell me where the title came from. Well, it's one of the cuts on the, on the album. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's an ad dope humor of the 70s i can't <laughs> you'll get it you'll you, you'll play it it just was a funny name and the way the look of the album is an absolutely 1970s it is album. it's such a throwback i love it, the artwork yeah the art the artwork the whole look of it is talk about talk, talk about your your you know 30 years ago 50 years ago it looks like a what the guy who was doing the the all the uh, mariachi band music you know it looks like one of those albums yeah just crazy I, and i like that i like that we can still be crazy after all of this time i've lost my two two of my partners mm. peter Wolfen and phil austin so to hear them and if you go to oh there's phil there's phil hey. proctor i actually am here there he is. Go out and vote uh, three times. But <laughs> oh, oh, good, good. Glad you got him in. As long as they went the right way, that's all that matters. Accomplish what I needed to accomplish. If you can't tell, our conversation got even more fun once Phil hopped on the call, and I can't wait to share the rest of it with you next week. For now, I just want to say a huge thanks to David and Phil for being a part of the show and to Jeff, their publicist, for setting it up. And more than anything, I want to say thanks to them for their patience with me as I've been working to get this episode out for so long. And it is so late. Thank you, friends, for listening. We'll be back next week with more. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. 
Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 30 years ago that you want to share, leave a message on the answering machine at 30pop.com. <laughs>